right, well, good morning, everybody. My name is Nick. I'm the campus pastor at the Thomasville campus. Uh, I've got to come down today to teach. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I used to be the campus pastor at the Daphne location. I was there for about four and a half years, and about a year and a half ago, uh, my wife and I got called back to Thomasville, where we were both from, uh, God's country, as we like to call it. And so I'm glad to be here uh, this week as we continue in the series uh, looking at the fruit of the Spirit, right? These virtues that Paul gives us uh, that says, hey, if we are believers, we should grow these things in our lives. We should produce these things in our life. And one thing that we've said throughout the series is that the fruit of the Spirit, these virtues, uh, aren't independent of each other. They're not, you know, peace and love and joy that we produce one at a time, uh, but they're more like a bouquet. And when you get a bouquet of flowers, it's separate flowers, but they're all together. And that's how the fruit of the Spirit is, that we produce these things, not independently of each other, but we produce them together because you can't have love without joy and peace, and you can't have patience without kindness and goodness without the other virtues. And so they all come together, and they all help us produce these things uh, in our life. And one thing that we've said is these virtues uh, that Paul gives us, the fruit of the Spirit, uh, the seeds are planted in the soul of the cross. And so what's that mean is that we can't produce these things. We, if we don't know Christ... If we aren't believers, if we haven't repented of our sins and committed to following him and making him the Lord of our life, uh, then we can produce these things for short periods. We can produce patience until things go bad. We can produce goodness until things get sideways. Uh, but we as followers produce these over time, right? And we're growing in them, and we should be producing more of them as we grow and walk through the process of maturity and sanctification in Christ. And so they're planted in the seed of the cross because when we uh, repent of our sins, right? How do we have faith? How do we follow Christ? What is salvation? It's repentance and following Jesus. So when we repent of our sins... The Bible tells us the Holy Spirit indwells us. And when the Holy Spirit indwells us, when we repent of our sins and follow him, those seeds are planted. And so if you're a believer here today, these seeds have been planted. They're there. And so the rest of our lives as we follow him, we should be producing these things out of our walk with him. One thing that we said earlier at the Thomasville campus as we unpack these is the fruit of the Spirit is the only true sign of salvation. If we want a telltale sign if we're saved or not, we should in some way of be producing these things in our life. It's not how much, how much are we producing. That's not the question. Because there's not a certain amount we have to produce to be saved. But if we are saved, we are going to produce on some level these virtues in our life. And so it's the only true sign of salvation. If we go, man, am I saved? Am I a follower? Man, are we producing these things in our life? Do we, again, not how much, but are we? Do we see ourselves growing? Even though it may be small, are we growing in patience and goodness and kindness and things like these? As we walk out our faith, and today we're in Galatians chapter 5, where we've been all summer, verses 22 and 24 mainly. And Paul, at this point in Scripture, he is writing this letter, and he has just told uh, the people that he's writing to what to avoid. He said, hey, avoid these things, which are, it's not in your handout, but he says, he says, now the work of the flesh, and I've been calling them the fruit of the flesh, because it's what we produce naturally, because we don't have to work to produce these things. Like, we as people don't have to work to be jealous, it just kind of happens, right? Like you, don't, you don't sit at home and go, man, I, I just strive to be more jealous. I've never experienced that in my life. Or, or envy, like, man, I just want to be more envious. If I could just produce this, or if I could just be more idolatrous, right? That would be great. No, but these things come naturally, right? Because the Bible tells us we're born into sin, right? We're born of Adam. We're not, we're not sinners because we just happened to sin one day. But we're sinners because we were born into sin, and that's why we sin. And so Paul says, hey, we need to flee these things, and they are the works of the flesh, your sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul says, I could keep going, but you get the idea, right? The things that we produce naturally. He tells us to do it, to flee those things. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, these things that we will produce as believers. Again, on some level, on some scale, we will produce these things. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and this is where he gets into what we've been this summer, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there are no laws. Paul says you can go anywhere in the world and produce these things and people will love you. You'll never be arrested for being too joyful for being too peaceful or too gentle or too loving, right? Arrest that man. He's too loving. It's not going to happen. Paul says there's no law against them. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh, right? We've crucified those old things with his passions and desires. Let's pray together. Now, Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for allowing us to come together as a group of believers. And even those here today who may not be a believer yet, who may not be walking with you, but just came to see what we do here. Lord, we just pray. Uh, that you will convict us where we need convicting, that you will encourage us uh, where we need encouraging, and ultimately that we will leave here wanting and longing to follow you more closely. Jesus, we thank you for the message you've given us. We thank you most of all for your forgiveness and your salvation that apart from you we can never have. In your name we pray. Amen. And so this week as we continue our march uh, through the virtues of the fruit of the Spirit, we are on gentleness. And I'll be honest, when I got this one back at the beginning of the summer and we made out the teaching schedule and they gave me gentleness, I was like, this is great, right? Gentleness, the most manly virtue of them all, right? Like we, we all want to be gentle. And, 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 and I, as I studied it, I felt bad because as I realized what true gentleness is, it's exactly what we want to be as men. It's just in culture, in the movies, and the athletes, it's never put on a platform that, man, this is, gentleness is something that we should strive for. It's always the opposite of that. But hopefully today as we study it, you will see where gentleness is what we all need, whether we're men or women or wherever we are in life, that gentleness is an aspect that draws people to Christ. You can probably think of people throughout your life that you would describe as gentle. They're the people you want to go talk to when you have problems. They're the people that bandage you up and send you out, that encourage you, that love you. And so gentleness is better translated meekness, right? It's a big idea. We kind of understand gentleness. We understand meekness. It's a big idea of, of what we're looking at. It's a humble and gentle attitude that is patiently submissive in every offense. So it's this attitude of being patient and submissive in spite of offense while having no desire for revenge or retribution. That's a lot to unpack, right? That's a lot to strive for. It's this attitude of submissiveness and a desire, no desire for revenge or retribution. An easier way to say that may be the idea of supreme self-control. Our strength and power under control. It's having the power, the strength, or even the intellect to impose our will on people. I could make this happen. I could say a word. I could force them through my intellect. I could shut them down. But I won't do so because of the betterment of the people around us. It may be that they need this opportunity. It may be that they need to share this or whatever it may be. So we patiently are submissive and we don't take offense. We don't offense. We don't seek revenge or retribution. Strength under control, not making our will happen, but submitting to what others want to do. See, Paul tells Timothy, if you don't know the story of Paul and Timothy, Paul was Timothy's mentor. He, was, he discipled Timothy. He brought him up in the ministry. He was his father of the faith, right? He often calls Timothy my son, and first and second Timothy, my son. 
Right? He's writing to him in 2 Timothy, and he's encouraging him, really, because Paul has been arrested. He's in chains in Rome. Timothy's having to do hard things, and now his mentor is arrested again, probably not getting out. And he tells him this. He says, but as for you, O man of God, we could say, but as for you, O woman of God, flee these things. And he's referring back to verse 4 that says, quarrels, envies, dissension, slander, evil suspicion. Sounds very similar to what he tells us in Galatians to flee. He's telling Timothy, he says, flee these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. Right? Pursue them. Seek them out. Follow them. See, we flee from the things of the flesh and we chase after the things of the Spirit. We have to remember as we walk through this series, and Paul gives us two distinct directions that we can go in this group of verses in 5, 19 uh, through 24. We can go two directions. We can go in the direction of the flesh. He said we can pursue those things, but we should be killing those things. Crucifying them, as Paul says. Or we can go in the direction of the fruit of the Spirit, which is us seeking Christ and longing to be more like Him and be godly people. Against such there is no law. But we have to remember that we can't grow in two directions at once. We as people can't grow in the way of the flesh and also the way of the Spirit at the same time. We can't pursue Christ and live in an ungodly way. There's no neutrality when it comes to following Jesus. There's not this in-between where we can sit on the fence and ride it right there. People in Scripture either loved him or hated him. They either followed him or they turned around and left. And we have to see that we as people can't sit on the fence. We have to go, man, are we going to follow Jesus? Are we going to produce the fruit? Strive for that in our life, these virtues? Or are we going to pursue the things of the flesh? As we look through this today and this big overarching idea of gentleness or meekness, in my mind, I like to break things down, make things understandable and obtainable, set goals and see the attributes, right? If, it, if the overarching umbrella is gentleness, well, what does that mean underneath it? How do we practice this? The first is this, by submission to the will of God. By submission to the will of God, and this is the watering of the fruit of the seeds that's been planted in our hearts. If we'll kick back against God, if we're going to do our own thing, even when God tells us not to, then we'll rebel against anybody. If we'll rebel against the one who formed us all, who knit us together in our mother's womb, who formed this earth and everything that we see and feel and sense, he put it all into play. If we'll kick back and rebel against him, then we'll rebel against anybody. Whether it's our spouse, whether it's our co-workers, our boss, law enforcement, whatever. If we're going to be gentle people, we must be submissive to the will of God. This is the watering of the fruit of the Spirit. This is the watering of those seeds that are planted at salvation in our heart when the Holy Spirit indwells us and those seeds are planted. Then this is when we submit, it's the watering of those seeds. And it wouldn't do me any good if, you, if I were to tell you, hey, go plant a crop, and I'm going to tell you how to take care of it six months later if I never tell you how to plant it to start with. Right? If I just say, well, once the corn comes up or once the cotton comes up or once the pine trees are so big, this is what you do. And you're going, well, how do you plant them? I don't even know what to do once they're planted and how to take care of them. And so the first step as we look at gentleness is to be submissive to the will of God. And Galatians tells us this in the verses following where we've been all summer, 24 and 25. Paul says this, And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh, right, the old things with his passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, that is, if we are submissive to God, if we want to do what He wants us to do, if we're following and seeking Him to Him, if we're submissive to the Spirit, if we live in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with Him. So once we come to Christ and we repent of our sins and we follow him, he says, hey, once we're submissive to him, then let's walk with him. Let's continue the path. Let's keep walking this thing out. And he continues in Colossians. He tells us this, 3 and 12, it says, put on then, right? This is, Paul is saying, this is what you got to do. He says, put on then. If we're believers, put this on. He says, as chosen 
uh, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Paul's saying, hey, if we're going to claim to be believers, if we're going to claim to be following Christ, if we're going to represent him to the world, then we have to put these things on. Right? There's no in-between. You, you need to as a true believer. As followers of Christ, we cannot be indifferent to the will of God. So as followers of Christ, the one who we say, hey, we serve the king, we have a king, and he has a kingdom, right? That is very real, it's very literal, that, God, that Christ is alive and well today as he was 2,000 years ago, and he has a very real kingdom. And if we know that to be true as followers of Christ, and we go, I'm a part of that kingdom, then we can't be indifferent to the will of God. We can't, because we have a king and he has a kingdom. We have orders to follow. If we're indifferent to the will of God, we're rebelling against him and he's not our king. See, Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says this. It reminds me of the one being planted, right? This, the seeds being watered, those seeds that the Holy Spirit has planted in our hearts. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seats of scoffers. The psalmist is saying, Blessed is the man who flees from those things. Blessed is the man who doesn't entertain those things. And he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yield his fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. So as we are indwelled with the Holy Spirit at repentance and belief, and those seeds are planted in our hearts, and we begin to submit to the will of God, studying his word and understanding it's not, it's not as difficult as we make it. He gives us commands to follow things to do, right? Seek these things that are good. Kill what is bad. We've got the Ten Commandments that we would all agree we need to uphold, right? The Christian walk is not that hard. He says, pursue these things. Allow them to water the seeds that are in you that you may walk with him. See, Jesus described himself as gentle and lowly because he perfectly submitted to the will of God. Jesus could say, I'm gentle and lowly. It's the only time in scripture Jesus described himself and he described himself as gentle, meek, and lowly. One aspect of it was because he was perfectly submitted to the will of God, as we see in the garden before his arrest, and he says, God, not my will but yours, or Father, not my will but yours. So if we're going to be submitted to the will of God, this is going to force us into a certain posture in our hearts. If we're going to submit to the will of God, if we're going to submit to what he's called us to do biblically, and I'm not talking about, you know, what's your perfect will for my life, of what job do I take, I'm just talking about, you know, top-level stuff, follow my commands. If we're going to be that, it's going to force us into a posture of teachability, of being men and women who are teachable, right? And if, if being submissive is the watering of the seeds, being teachable is how the seeds that we have been planted in our heart are cultivated and tended. As we begin to produce these fruits, it's how we take care of our souls and tend our souls. So teachability is the cultivating and tending of the fruit of the Spirit. They've been planted We've been watering them because we've been, stand, we've been understanding and, and reading the Word of God and having ga godly counsel and godly community. Right, we've been learning these things, and then now we're teachable. And that's how we, once those seeds begin to grow, now we begin to cultivate them in our life. We're teachable people. A lot of times we like to say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But we're all learning every day, and we say things like, let me tell you what I learned today. Did you know this to be true? Did you know that to be true? Guess what I saw on the news? We all take in information, and we all learn. The question is, what are we allowing to cultivate and tend our hearts? Because we can take in information passively or actively. Either way, it's tending our hearts and our souls in one direction or the other. 
And the way that we cultivate and tend things, whether it be actual trees and plants and flowers, or it be our heart, it matters. Right? How many of you guys like to make homemade ice cream? Probably most of us, right? We might not like to make it, but we like to eat it, right? And so making it's a little bit of a process. And we do this with my family. Anytime we have a get-together July 4th or whatever, we'll make homemade ice cream. It's more where we just like to put in the extra effort, right? We like to, for it to take a little longer. We like to listen to it going, man, when's that thing going to shut off, right? We just like to question the ice cream maker. And so we do this every year, and there's always that time after you've eaten it that you've got to decide now what to do with the salt and the ice that you've got left over. And so you got to go, it's always a conversation. Where do we dump it? You know, if it's you and your dad, you don't want to get your mom involved because she's going to really narrow that down of where you can dump it. You and your dad can make decisions, right? You're the man of the house. You can make decisions of where it should be dumped and when it should be dumped. So my dad and I, when I was about 14 years old, he had gotten a fig tree. And it was, you know, been there about a year. It was about this tall. And hadn't produced any figs yet. And we were talking about it. He said, well, somebody at work told me that fig trees like salt. And so we said, you know what we'll do with this bucket of salt and ice? We'll dump it on that fig tree, right? We'll have beautiful figs next year, right? We could just already taste them <laughs> growing, right? They might have been a little salty, but that's a joke. It wouldn't have made the fig salty. But what happened is we took it over there and we dumped it on there. And four weeks later, that thing was dead as it could be, right? It was dead as it could be. Why? Because it matters the way that we tend and cultivate things. It matters the way that we take care of things, right? James in James 1, 19 and 20 says this. Many of you probably know this verse. Now this, my dear brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness. Receive it. Be taught. Allow for it to soak in. Receive with meekness, then planted word, right? The things of God, the will of God, his word, which is able to save your souls. He says, receive it. Be teachable people. Right? Listen more than you talk because that's when you take in information. And Paul says it in a similar way. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. In order for our minds to be renewed, we've got to be teachable people. We've got to take in information. See, Christian communities place high regard on the talent of the eloquent speaker. Right? We go, man, he's a great communicator. He's a great Bible teacher. He's good at teaching this or doing that on the platform. But James takes that and flips it and puts the emphasis back on the listener. The one who is teachable. James goes, no, it's more important to listen to what people say than it is to be the one always talking. Because that's when you learn. Everybody wants to be heard. Everybody, but, but often people fail to listen. Everybody's an expert. Everyone has experiences other people don't have, but they most definitely need to know about. Right? Like, I, I've got experience that you guys all, you may not care, but you definitely need to know about it. Right? Everyone's got a unique perspective. But one commentary says this, it's the person who listens intently to the word of God or to the word of truth who progresses in godliness. It's the person who listens, it's the person who's teachable. It's the person who allows people to speak into their life, godly counsel, wise counsel, discerning counsel. And we take it in and we listen that we grow in godliness or we could say that we grow in gentleness because we're allowing ourselves to be taught and we're teachable. It's the idea of what are we allowing to cultivate our hearts we're going to be teachable people and we're going to take in information, we're taking in information all day. The question is, what are we allowing to cultivate our hearts? And we know, again, that cultivating and tending our souls and plants are important. This summer I've gotten into, probably you guys are probably like me, and you every summer you buy ferns. Most of the time you buy ferns in May or so, so you can kill them by June and July, right? And you get them off your porch. So you put them out there for a little while because you like to watch them die, and then you just remove them. 
Well, this summer, my wife and I bought some ferns, as we always do, and I decided that I would be the one, to, I'm the man of the house, I'm going to take ownership of these ferns, and it's going to be my job. I'm going to water them, right? I want the prettiest ferns you've ever seen. And so I've been doing really well. Here's a picture. The one on the left is mine. The one on the left, thank you. I actually got some wows. Thank you. Earlier, I was like, man, I expected y'all to be more impressed, right? I've had that thing since May, and look at it. Not only do I have one, I've got three that look just like that. I'm proud. And so that's a, that's a fern that has been cultivated and tended, that I've watered it every day and I've fertilized it, I've taken care of it. And it matters, obviously, because the other one on the right is just another one from town that has not been cultivated and not been tended. It's not been cared for. See, the thing is that both of these ferns are ferns. The difference is the way that they've been cultivated. And as we walk through this series this summer, many of you have probably sat there and going, man, I know I'm a believer. Why, can't I, why am I not producing more fruit? Why am I not seeing growth in my life? And the answer to the question is probably just like these ferns, and it's the way you've been cultivating and tending your heart. It's the way you've been cultivating and tending your soul. See, what we use to cultivate our soul should be the word of God and godly instruction and counsel from others. The problem is that most of the time we cultivate and tend our souls with the very thing that Paul tells us to flee from. Paul says flee from these things, flee from sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, rivalries. He says, flee from those things and pursue the fruit of the Spirit. But what we say in our culture today is, well, I'm not going to do that physically. I'll, I'll flee physically, but I'm going to be entertained by these things. I'm going to be entertained by them. Right? I'm going to watch and I'm going to listen to shows and, and I'm going to read things that are full of sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, division, strife, envy. I'm going to allow those things to water my soul. And then we sit around and we go, man, why aren't I producing more fruit? Why aren't I producing fruit? And it's because it matters the way that we cultivate and tends our heart. Paul says flee. We say be entertained by it. And what we should do is flee from it. Then we wonder why we aren't producing much fruit. We go to a pastor and say, what's the problem? I know I'm a believer. We can't find joy. We can't find happiness to the extent that others around us do. And it's because what we are allowing to cultivate and tend our hearts. Both of those are ferns. They've been tended and cultivated in a completely different way. Paul says flee. We must flee. Paul doesn't say be entertained, be listened to. Set your time aside when we spend, you know, 15 minutes with Jesus and an hour and a half with something that's sexual immorality or division or strife. Most of social media is nothing but jealousy and envy, drama. And then we wonder why those same things, we have those same feelings inside of us. It's because of the way we cultivate our souls, the direction we're cultivating them in. So the question that we must ask is this, in what direction are we cultivating tending our souls? Think about it. If we want to produce much fruit, we've got to flee certain things and pursue the other. What are we allowing to cultivate and tend our souls? As we allow our souls to be cultivated and tended by the things of God, those around us should get a taste of the fruit being produced in our lives because of our gentle consideration of others. If we're going to be people who are submitted to the will of God, if we're going to be teachable and receive these things, then we've also got to be considerate of others is the third aspect of gentleness. And this is where those around us are able to taste the fruit that we are producing. This is where they can taste and see that the Lord is good because of what we're producing and we're considerate of them and what they need above our needs. Sounds a lot like Jesus. Does it not? Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this, I therefore, this is Paul writing, I therefore as a prisoner of the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of a calling, 
to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and meekness. I urge you to pursue these things with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's the tasting of the fruit of the Spirit that allows those in the church and those outside the church to ask questions like, what's different about you? Because they can taste it. Right? They can see it. They can feel it. You're producing these fruits and you're being considerate of others, putting them above yourself in meekness and gentleness, not seeking your own, but seeking what's best for them. They go, what's different about you? Galatians 6, 1 through 3, this is later in the very book that we've been in all summer. It says this, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, right? Paul knows that we will be caught in transgressions. He says, you, will be, or you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, of meekness. Allow that brother to taste the goodness and the gentleness and the meekness that we as believers produce. Keep watching yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So have you guys ever, uh, have you guys ever had pear salad? Anybody here like pear salad? Know what pear salad is? Anybody show of hands? A few people know what pear salad is. I, until recently, did not know what pear salad was. So if you're not here, what pear salad is, it's, just, it's a pretty simple recipe. Uh, it's just a pear that you cut in half, right? And you put a little, what I thought was Cool Whip on top. And you put a little cherry on it, and you got pear salad, right? I heard a comedian say, in the South, you can put mayonnaise on anything and call it a salad. Potatoes, eggs, he said you could put it on Skittles and mix it up, and you got a salad, right? And so I was at this family getting together, and somebody had been generous enough to make pear salad. And I was sitting there, I got done eating my meal, and my wife was sitting next to me. So I thought, man, that looks good, a pear with Cool Whip. I never even thought about that. But sounds delicious. I love pears. I like Cool Whips. I'm not crazy about cherries, so I just removed that and gave it to one of my kids and said, you can have this while I enjoy this beautiful pear salad. And I, I, my, wife, my wife looked at me. She said, are you going to eat that? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to eat it. And she just said, okay. She allowed me to walk into this, right? Because <laughs> she knows how I feel about this stuff. And so I take the pear salad, and I probably bite about half of that pear off. Man, it's mayonnaise on top of that thing, y'all. So it's, it's a pear with mayonnaise on it. And I'm not a fan of mayonnaise, right? And so I thought I was getting something pear and Cool Whip, but I got a pear and mayonnaise. Who does that? You know, you just wonder, like, who's sitting around going, I got half pears here. What should I put on them? We could put, you know, Cool Whip. You could put some kind of syrup. You could put other, other fruit on top of it. be really good. But I'm going to put mayonnaise on it, right? And other people go, yeah, let's eat it, Right? And so I bit in this pear salad, y'all. I, I was so, everybody at the table started laughing at me because I, I, my brain was so confused, I couldn't even figure out what it was. I was like, what? And I've had mayonnaise my whole life, and I was like, what is this? Right? I was so confused. And the, it's, it's funny when we talk about pear salad, but when people come to the church or to believers and want help, and you say, I'm submitted to the will of God, I'm teachable, and I'm learning to walk with Him, and they bring us their trials and struggles, and we give them a cold shoulder, or we act like we don't care, we're not concerned. They get the mean old church people instead of the love of Christ. It's like the pear salad you get, and you go, my gosh, I don't ever want to try that again, right? And we wonder why people walk away from the church. It's because we're not practicing the full aspect of gentleness. We want to be right, submitted to the will of God. That's good for us. We want to be teachable because that's good for us. But do we want to be considered of others that puts others above us? That's the question. Is are we considered of others? See, this is one way that people taste and see that the Lord is good through our considerations of others. By our following Jesus' example and being gentle and considerate of others to the point of the cross, 
We see the perfect picture of gentleness and meekness in Christ and his arrest. Matthew 26, 5 through, or 52 through 54 says this, Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into place. This is at his arrest, and Peter had taken out his sword and cut off somebody's ear. He says, Put your sword back to, in, to its place. For all who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot with one appeal call down a, a legion of angels, 12 legions of angels? Jesus says, I can call down angels right now if I want to. But then how should scriptures be fulfilled? How should my Father's will be fulfilled? That it must be so. Jesus goes, do you not realize that I could, I could, I've got control over the environment. I've got control over sickness and death. I could blind all these people right now and walk out of here. I could fly out of here like Iron Man, right? In a tight situation. But I'm not. Because I want to submit to the will of my Father. Continues and gets worse. In Mark 15, 16 through 20, it says this. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together a whole battalion. They called all their buddies together. And they clothed him in purple cloak and twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him. And they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they were striking him in the head with a reed and spitting on him. And kneeling before him, paying him homage. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. Christ, who had control over the environment, could have blinded them all there, could have crippled them all there, could have caught in a tornado to just wipe them out and walk out, perfectly submitted to the will of God. See, Jesus having the power to summon angels from heaven to relieve his suffering was perfectly submitted to the will of God. Not seeking revenge or retribution, but like a tree planted by streams of water being fed and yielding its fruit, its leaves ever growing, never withering, until today and forevermore, he expressed perfect consideration for others, taking our punishment on himself, that we may taste the fruit today of his sacrifice, through repentance of our sins and faith in Christ for the salvation of our souls. The perfect example of gentleness, submitted to the will of God for consideration of others. Those others were me and you. That as they beat him and abused him, he could have left. He could have called, he should have stopped at any time. But yet he didn't. This is why only Christ can say, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? Submit to my Father. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Be teachable. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For, your, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. As our team comes, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for the truth of your word. Uh, we thank you that you were gentle and lowly, that you were the perfect uh, aspect of that, that because of your commitment to the will of the Father, because of your love and consideration for us, that we may know salvation. Father, so we pray for all those who are here today, the believer and the non-believer. Holy Spirit, that you would work in our hearts to be more like you. In your name we pray. Amen.